Spags, it's Friday. It's snowing here on the East Coast, but we are going to draft a basketball team because that is what we do on Fridays. Oh, that is what we do here on Fridays, other than next week where we're doing it on a Wednesday, but we are going to hit the 2022 big board. It's almost full over at Underdog, so we got to get our entries in while we can. So get in now and join us on that draft. We're also going to catch up on some NFL offseason news. QBs being dramatic on social media is the theme of the day. And the USFL draft. Does Pete know if these QBs are real or if I made them up? We'll find out right after this. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Splash Play, the fantasy football podcast for every game under the sun. And once again, I'm Chris Spaggs, joined by your friend of mine, Pete Overzet. Pete, how are you doing here? Our last three shows before we go on a little Splash Play spring break. Yeah, I don't know if we fully fleshed that out on air, but yeah, next Thursday, I am leaving on vacation, so a week from yesterday. And then you have, of course, baby Luca who uh, is about to enter this world. And so, yeah, Splash Play will be going on a little bit of a break. We're going to move uh, a Thursday show to – or a Friday show to Wednesday. Um, and then it'll be a hiatus. People will be Splash Playless for, uh, I don't know, about 10 days and maybe longer, depending on what Daddy Spags is feeling. Well, it looks like Daddy Spags might not be taking paternity leave <laughs> this time. So uh, I'll be juggling a lot here. You will see me slowly degrade over the course of these streams. But yeah, Pete's going to travel. I'm going to be having a baby a little bit earlier than I'm personally actually going to be pushing it out of my vagina and coming up <laughs> next week. Uh, but yeah, we were warned uh, oh, on Thursday, actually, my Alex, my partner, went to her OB appointment and was told that uh, despite her being an age where normally they don't come early, despite her being in a fitness level where normally they don't come early, apparently Luke simply can't wait pete he's dying to join in on the bits here and put on a little fedora for himself and do a baby italian accent are you like have you thought about um there because there's two different versions of like baby content right there's normie baby content where it's just people they're not content creators by day they use their instagram as their like sole source of content constant photos of the baby hey here's the six-year-old or six week old, eight week old. It's like a little block next to them that says eight weeks, nine weeks, 10 weeks. And it's like, can't we spread out the denominations of weeks for these photos? And there's then the content creator uh, version who uses their child for tweets, for engagement. I'm just wondering where you're going to kind of fall on that spectrum. Honestly, I don't know. We personally have not posted a lot about the baby. I posted my one announcement when I was taking the new job at Edge Sports slash Champion Gaming slash Football Outsiders. Um, and then also getting the house and having the baby. I did my announcement in triples because I anytime there's an I think you should leave bit out there, I just got to take it because it's on the table. Uh, but for me, I think so. I'm running into a couple things, Pete. We talk about our love of TikTok. Do you know that TikTok's really pushing to be like the YouTube search engine now? Because that's something that's informing my decision where like if you just get good SEO on TikTok now, you'll probably be a millionaire within the next two years. I heard that. I was talking to someone the other day and they told me that last month TikTok had more searches than Google and mm -hmm. uh, fucking blew my mind. But uh, so, yes, I, I do believe that. Yeah, so that is really the the big part that I think is tough to juggle where I certainly don't want to exploit Luca. I also think, though, that like giving him a leg up in terms of his 
content career or whatever that means for somebody. Like if you give a kid a handle with 10,000 followers by the time he's 10 and he has some sort of awareness just because like his mom works in social media um, for agencies and then also does writing and like she's a very talented person in her right. I'm of course fantastic at everything I do on the internet um, and I've never had a misstep or a misfire in any sort of way. And I think you combine those two things and like he really should have a runway to do that. So I don't know what the answer is. I think we've had some conversations about it where I tend to think like, it's a fool's errand to try to keep the kid off the internet, to keep him away from profanity even. Like, I, I don't want to really do a swear jar. I curse, and I feel like I curse in really authoritative and powerful spots, and that's enough. But I think it's one of those parenting choices that, like, every parent's going to have to make, but especially us as, like, people who work in content where, like, theoretically, he could have a life for himself by the time he's 14, and um, let alone if he's somehow actually good at basketball. I was starting to get, uh, you know, Darren Rovellian vibes there when you talk about handing off an account with 10,000 uh, followers to, to six-year-old Luca as a, as a birthday gift. And it's expected to manage it well. Be like, all right, Luca, you're a brand now. Go ahead. But there is a handle that I registered. I have not uh, I have not revealed it yet. I'm not sure what we're going to do with it, but I did register one that's uh, not very creative based upon my name and his name and all that. Uh, but we will, we'll, we'll see how it goes. And I can promise you, if you are a splash play lifer here, I actually heard from somebody who was one of our splash play viewers slash listeners. Uh, Zach Stewart actually was his name. Um, he had a little girl this week with his wife and sent me a congratulations and all that. And he's you know dealing with the, uh, the fallout. That's just the incredible painstaking labor that uh, can take with any woman. And even if it's a simple one, it's like much worse than anything guys will ever feel. But I do feel like we have a lot of dads in the audience too. And I, I don't know, Pete, like, I feel like maybe you'll see this engagement It'll be like the Wordle thing where you'll you'll be like, oh man, I got to be either anti-parent or I just need to pop a baby out. Um, yeah, I um, I'm not rushing to have a child for uh, online engagement. I was actually just uh, doing the Tate cast with Davis yesterday. I posted the video of that up on my channel, and uh, we were talking about how much we hate Twitter now. Yeah. Although I think I hate it more than Davis because Davis still <laughs> is battling in the Twitter streets nonstop. So yes, I I do not plan to be an engagement farmer of my child, but uh, I don't um, you know begrudge anyone for for making that decision themselves. Yeah, and honestly, you know, shout out to all the dads out there who are going through it. I see Josh in the chat saying he's got a seven-month-old here. Uh, GM Shorty stuff saying most important gift to give a child investment portfolio, social following, or lazy lions. And I think that's uh, – I don't have a couple of those. So I guess I'll have to use the ones that I do have. Um, I don't know. I just, it's an interesting time to do this, and we'll see how it goes. And we'll, again, just really watch me fall apart and descend into madness over the course of the next few weeks. But let's get the plugs out of the way before we do that. First of all, if you want to draft alongside of us on Underdog today, as I mentioned up top – 2022 big board is filling up fast. They sent out our partner email for the week. I think they were 75% full or something like that. So get in there now. There's 80% a lot of great... now. Sorry. 80... Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, no. Good to know. So really do get in there. Um, we have the data over at Football Outsiders. Our FO40 is launching on Monday in partnership with Underdog, where they're helping us put that out really and get the, the kind of research and analysis we want in there. But also lots of other great content out there. I know Underdog, obviously Josh has been a monster. Josh Norris has been a monster uh, predicting the draft and just really kind of profiling these guys over the years. Hayden as well. Um, there's just so much great information out there that I think that's sort of, to me, why this draft is feeling other than people's just passion for best ball. But go take advantage of it. Rotoviz, we've talked about on here doing great articles. Uh, Pete, I don't know if there's any I'm leaving out here. The Ringer, we talked about their draft content. It's easier than ever to jump in and really get a read earlier than ever. And I think, honestly, you're going to be behind the eight ball if you don't pay attention now just because – Guys like us, obviously, everybody who's in this show is in a million different similar shows. Like, they're all doing the prep work now, and I think that's sort of speaking to this big board filling up so fast. Yeah, and uh, I also think, you know, 
uh, there was a, another article that Jack Miller actually just published on Establish the Run, and it's a free article as well. And it was looking at data as far as the best time to draft best ball teams. And, you know, one thing, the, the average median or the median points scored as the months get closer to the start of the season does increase, which makes sense. Like the more information we get, the better we're at drafting. But the nice thing about this big board draft is it is going to be self-contained here before the start of the draft. And it's going to fill up here in probably a week and a half or two weeks anyway. So you don't even have to think about like, oh, I just want to wait to draft because other people are going to have an advantage on me later. That might be a concern for best ball mania. If you're firing, you know, beginning of May, and then there's people drafting beginning of September. But with this big board one, we're all pretty much working under the same information, uh, which I think actually levels the playing field. And so, yeah, I, I don't think you're losing an edge uh, just because you're drafting early because we're all working under the same parameters. Yeah, no, I, I'm fully in agreement there. We've had that debate on this show, and I think this is one where we know it's going to fill. It's going to fill within the probably, honestly, the next 10 days. I don't want to speak on their behalf, obviously, uh, but certainly one that's filling faster than I think Pete and I would have guessed. I'm sure even the underdog team, it seemed based on the emails that I saw, uh, probably would have guessed as well. So get in there now and use the promo code SPLASH if you want to double your deposit up to $100 because uh, that's a good way to get into this draft and get in the draft we're going to do here in just a few short moments. Um, and also make sure to go to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. As I mentioned, a big focus there has been uh, really buttoning up the football content to be all year round. We have our USFL preview up on the site. Also have the draft content for Mike Tanier and Derek Clausen going up. So um, our guys behind the scenes have been really working hard at, you know, just understanding what I think we can accomplish as a football site that gives you information all year round. And a lot of companies are doing this now too, but I think we're doing as good of a job as anybody out there. So go check it out. Footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. Pete, NFL news though. Fucking Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I have on my sheet. Long-winded Instagram post after Shailene Woodley reportedly broke up to him because she wanted a non-monogamous relationship. Aaron Rodgers goes on a long-winded rant thanking her, thanking the Packers players, thanking the QB room, thanking uh, some of the linemen that he's known for a while as well as their significant others and, and, and as well as Randall Cobb. Uh, so certainly uh, not omitting his pal that he got back on the team. But Pete, this happened after our show on Monday and I don't like, I still think he comes back to the Packers. I still like this is just part of the Aaron Rodgers experience now where it's look at me, look at me, give me all the attention and I'm going to end up being back anyway. I just hate him. And I really like the COVID stuff, you know, certainly we've erred on the side of, of safety here and wanting people to be, do the right thing as much as we can relative to the science, that stuff, whatever this now I'm officially out on Aaron Rodgers just cause like <laughs> fucking move on, come back and be excited or don't. I love how riled up you are. And I, I get it too. I mean, this dominated the headlines all last off season and it just gets so tiring, especially when you are doing content. I was writing the fantasy life newsletter last year, even with like the Julio Jones trade rumors, those stories that persist for like two to three weeks and you can't escape them. Like I'm walking into the locker room at the gym and Stephen A. Smith is yelling about Aaron Rodgers, and you're like, can we just be done with this shit? Also what's super tilting too is now like, Aaron Rodgers going on his regular appearance on the Pat McAfee show is like apparently appointment television. Like, Oh, we got to wait for the dispatch as if we're waiting for like Trump's tweet. It's like, we don't know what Trump's going to do until he tweets. We don't know what Aaron Rodgers is going to do until he goes and shit posts on Pat McAfee show. Wait, wait, did you guys just hear that? He just finished a 12 day cleanse. Can you believe that Aaron Rodgers just flushed his system of all the toxins? What can this tell us about his future? 
it is infuriating. I agree. And and he doesn't say anything either, really, at this point. And it's just, look, I think the Vegas odds we talked about on this show, we did our draft last week when we did our 2022 big board draft based on the premise that Rodgers would be back and Devontae Adams would sort of rise with that tide. Overall, though, I just think he's coming back. And I feel like the odds haven't moved meaningfully enough besides what we've talked about a few times with futures on the show. Broncos odds being a little bit higher than it seems, I think, could be just the markets moving because of people assuming something that might not happen. Could also be because somebody knows something out there. But I think really everything to me says that he's coming back to the Packers and at this point just fucking move on or don't. Um, same thing with Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray posts on Thursday, I play this game for the love of it. My teammates, everyone who has helped me get to this position and believed in me and to win championships. All this nonsense is not what I'm about, never has been, never will be. Anyone who's ever stepped between those lines with me knows how hard I go. Love me or hate me, but I'm going to continue to grow and get better. The next day, actually today, I guess that'd be uh, Cardinals owner Michael Bidwell comes out, says Kyler Murray is part of their long-term plan, says everything he's doing on social media flies in the face of what he has talked about with Murray as well as what Cliff Kingsbury talked about with him. And I think, Pete, this is just what the league is now, is social media posts. It's like the this you know this famous celebrity has uh, unfollowed somebody they're dating. Oh, we know they're broken up. That's basically what the QB offseason market is. And, and maybe a boomer take, I absolutely hate it. Yeah, no, I hate it too. And I uh, I mean, before I step on it too, do you have uh, the Russell Wilson stuff on uh, on our no, show I sheet for today too? That. I did not do that my prep. Uh, well, he he's kind of pulling the uh, the Kyler playbook too. Apparently he scrubbed Seattle Seahawks mentions from his social media play. So it's just like the same shit with all these guys. You know, they do say it's a copycat league, Spags. I don't know if you heard that. And part of that means copying the playbook when you're a pouty quarterback trying to uh get attention but yes i hate this meta which is all the quarterback just being so petty and passive aggressive uh with these little slights of hand on their social media and stuff and the thing too is it could easily mean like maybe there is going to be more movement in the market than we're all projecting right now or assuming and maybe that'll be different in the nfl even though the salary cap makes it much harder than say you know a ben simmons trade in the nba but i just think overall like i don't know i just don't like where it's going with this i don't like that this is a way that the media gets headlines the nfl i think doing the nba thing where they are trying to be a 365 day a year league where you're just talking about it all the time great for the show overall but i really just want to get to the parts where it's like yeah kyler murray's coming back and he's adding some new tools to his arsenal or he's stretching himself out on a nautilus rack to get two more inches of height hopes that he could see over the pack but at this point it's like i i just don't know i if you had to guess pete uh, let's say out of these three guys kyler murray russell wilson aaron Rodgers, how many of them are on a new team this fall a new team i feel like the safe bet would be to set the over under at um 1.5 like i think one is probably the most likely um, I think three is really unlikely. Maybe, maybe we get, we get to two. I, th I think I would set the line at 0.5. Like, I think these guys are all just talk, all just doing it because they know it's now part of the media thing and it gets them a little more fame and it makes them seem like a bigger deal. I don't know. I, I think overall, though, I wouldn't be surprised if none of these guys end up on a new team and we just end up hearing about this for the next two months. Then the draft comes and then we hear the July headlines about Russell Wilson in the best shape ever, excited to renew his relationship with us. Like, it's just, it's very tedious. One thing that's not tedious, though, Pete, the USFL, which had a draft earlier this week, um, and it is, uh, it was a real barn burner. I don't know if you, <laughs> if you were following that closely, Pete. Uh, I wasn't following it closely. There was obviously no televised event. I saw some tweets and then I was scrolling back through the USFL account because I was trying to find, uh, the wide receivers who had got drafted and they, 
had done hundreds and hundreds of posts for every single pick for graphics by position, you know, graphics by round. And I was like, I, I give up. I, ca I can't find this. So yeah, we needed, we needed a Scott Hansen red zone for the USFL draft. Um, but yeah, what, what was your take on, on the fallout from the draft? I recognize even less names than I did from the XFL draft. So here's what we're going to do for this exercise. And I think it'll prove your point, Pete, that a lot of these guys are not the most, you know, well-named guys. I know from our football outsiders guys, some of the concerns they have is that right now the USFL has not actually revealed the rules about the game. So even though there are like kick returners or guys that have most the most value in the kick return, the punt return game, we don't actually know if the USFL is going to have returns. Um, so a little bit dodgy on that front where the XFL part of their hype going into that that covid shortened season was that we knew the rules we knew it was going to be different we knew there'd be some different facets the usfl has not been quite as forthcoming has been there on the marketing though and what we're going to do pete is we're just going to go through the qbs who were drafted in the first round and i'm going to give you a choice of two players for each team and you have to decide which one is the actual qb who was drafted and you can't cheat that's why i didn't tell you in advance yeah i think even looking at the quarterbacks um i believe before the usfl jordan tiamu was even the only one i recognized so you, you should be in good shape with this bit all right, number one pick was the Michigan Panthers. Pete, did they draft Michigan legend Denard Robinson or Michigan legend Shea Patterson? Uh, I know it wasn't Denard Robinson because I would have recognized uh, that name. So uh, Shea Patterson. Following two years at Michigan in which he finished ahead of both Tom Brady and his former head coach Jim Harbaugh on the school's all-time passer list, Shea Patterson is a six-foot-one, 212-pounder who signed with the Kansas City Chiefs and has spent some time in the CFL with the BC Lions and the Montreal Alouettes. So you are one for one, Pete. And Denard Robinson actually did go back this week, I think, for a player development role in Michigan. So I thought maybe I'd catch you like in a, a half headline reading thing, and that you're too good. Yeah, uh, you're, I'm too good at that. I'm not reading, you know, Michigan football headlines. <laughs> Number two pick was the Tampa Bay Bandits. And you already said this one, Pete, but I'm still going to go through the exercise. Did they pick Jordan Taimu or did they pick Harry Germani? <laughs> uh, I would say it was Jordan. Uh, yeah, in jumping, jumping leagues here. I'm actually interested if, do you think there are, I mean, these players are, mercenary football players at this point like they can't have any loyalty to the xfl it just seems weird that we didn't see more names um that we recognize popping over to this league i think the guys who didn't come over were the ones where it's like they still have a shot at being on an nfl roster like josh johnson i think is one guy who did play pretty well last year probably hoping to get onto a camp roster somewhere for the nfl um you know taylor heineke we saw actually make the move up the food chain and go to the nfl and actually get a starting job so i think that's it but yes it is jordan tamu and also pete this is gonna be something you're gonna enjoy because i have some great fake names in here <laughs> for qbs sometimes they're real people sometimes they are not and i have to say uh, harry germani is not in fact a real nfl player or any player as far as i know yeah and uh i wasn't gonna get god it sounded like one of those ip freely uh jokes that the chat gets me to accidentally read on the show and Tamu, worth pointing out, I did tweet this as well. Um, I think that for week one, Jordan Tamu, probably your cash game QB and maybe a shot at being the tournament winning QB. A great rusher, a guy who's actually had decent performance as a passer, though certainly the ground game is going to be the main thing for him. So uh, assuming that we do get some good USFL DFS tournaments, he's going to be worth some exposure, I would say. The Philadelphia Stars pick next, Pete. Did they pick Brian Scott or Scott Bryan? Wow. Now this is how you get me. Brian Scott or Scott Bryan? Um, this is, I'm going to guess that it's, uh, Scott Bryan. And then you thought it was funny that the name made more sense backwards. It is in fact, Brian Scott. Uh, Damn it. I got, 
<laughs> referred to as the Aaron Rodgers of Division Three. He passed for, and to be clear, this is not my overwriting. This is all from the Fox website, so blame them for the overwrittenness of all these things here. Scott passed for 9,073 yards and 77 touchdowns in just 33 games at Occidental College. And uh, while throwing at USC's Pro Day, I guess Occidental doesn't have their own Pro Day, uh, he did have a... a Shocking performance to scouts where he threw for 62 of 64. So my hometown, Philadelphia Stars, Pete, the Breakers of New Orleans are going to be our official splash play team. The Philadelphia Stars with Brian Scott slash Scott Bryan looking like they got a real steal at number three. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I can't, I cannot believe that he slipped to number three. <laughs> the New Jersey generals drafted number four, Pete, did they pick Jackson Skeeter or Ben Holmes. Jackson Skeeter feels like a name you had way too much fun making up. So I will say Jackson Holmes. No, Ben Holmes. Ben Holmes. Ben Holmes. <laughs> it, is, it is, in fact, Ben Holmes. The 5'10", 200-pound Holmes initially started at wide receiver in high school and junior college before landing at Tarleton State as a quarterback. He also guided the Texans, I guess it's the Tarleton State Texans, not the Houston ones, to their first outright Lone Star Conference championship and left the sparkling 23-2 and career record as a starting quarterback. You know it's not great, Pete, when they don't have a single stat for this guy besides, like, the win-loss record. <laughs> like, I don't think Ben Holmes slash Jackson Skeeter not looking that good. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, it's, what's funny is I was, you know, reading these names, um, when I saw the draft happening and I, I did that thing where I flash forward in my life and I'm like, these names mean nothing to me right now, but in two months I am going to feel like one of them could be the godparent to my unborn child. So the transformation we're going to take over the next few months with these guys, uh, I'm excited for it. Yeah, Sean George in the chat saying wildly confident spags at the USFL lock of week one. Listen, we're going to fall in love with a lot of guys over the next two months. And uh, that's just the way it goes here. We're past Valentine's Day season. Now it's full USFL crush season. Fifth overall pick, Pete, went to the Houston Gamblers. Did they draft Thurgood Marshall or Clayton Thorson? Clayton Thorson. What was the first one? Thurgood Marshall. Thurgood Marshall sounds like another one you made up. So I'll say the other guy. Thurgood Marshall is, in fact, a former Supreme Court justice. <laughs> okay, there we go. Uh, but they did they did draft Clayton Thorson uh, prior to earning a fifth-round selection by the then-defending Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles back in 2019. Thorson threw for 10,731 yards and 61 touchdowns with 27 more scores on the ground at Northwestern. So decent dual-threat QB. Maybe the tournament play for the USFL, depending on how that ownership looks. Four-week one. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> Birmingham Stallions, Pete, did they draft Alex Mago or Sammy Hambridge? Sammy Hambridge is a made-up name. Like that, I get, I get, I'm seeing right through your bullshit. They did, in fact, draft Alex Mago. Mago. <laughs> <laughs> Sammy Hambridge couldn't be a real name. No, these all sound like like cartoon characters. Well, anyway, it's it's Mago, uh, seventh-round pick of the Seahawks in 2018. The team's first QB draft pick since Russell Wilson in 2012. He also spent time in the NFL with the Jags, the Texans, 6'3", 214 pounds, 26 years of age, started all four years of his career at FIU, become the school's all-time leader in passing touchdowns and passing yardage with 65 touchdowns and 9,091 yards, as well as actually decent running performance, though not quite as good as Clayton Thorson. Number seven, Pittsburgh Maulers. Pete, they draft Bruce Finch or Kyle Lalletta? Okay, well, I actually recognize the name Kyle Laletta, and I don't know what it is. Maybe it's from from college football or something. Um, so I, I will say Laletta is the is who got drafted. 
Damn it. I thought Bruce Finch was going to get it. It is Kyle Lalletta. He was the MVP of the Senior Bowl in 2018, which led to his selection in the fourth round of the draft by the New York Giants. 6'3", 222, prototypical size and arm, um, which is going to generate interest from fans and rival scouts alike, according to Fox.com, uh, competing 63.5% of his 1,200 career passes at Richmond for uh, 10,500 yards, 73 touchdowns. Kyle Lalletta is, in fact, a guy with an NFL pedigree. And Pete, last but not least, our own splash play favorite, New Orleans Breakers. They draft Kyle Sloter or Hengel McCrinkleberry? <laughs> Jesus, Spags. Now you're doing uh, Key and Peel names. <laughs> uh, the, the, the former. <laughs> that is, in fact, the former. Kyle Sloter initially signed to Southern Mississippi, transferred to Northern Colorado after the Golden Eagles moved him to receiver. Northern Colorado also played Sloter at other positions, but once he became the QB, he passed for 26, 56 yards and 29 touchdowns against just 10 interceptions. That got him a job with the Broncos in 2017, who eventually cut him, and this is interesting phrasing here by Fox Pete, they eventually cut him despite his passing for 413 yards in the preseason that year. Unclear if it was over four games or <laughs> it was just one, but uh, Kyle Sloter, uh, our, our New Orleans breakers, the, the man behind it all. And also, if you check his Twitter, very big on NFTs, so maybe a club top shot guy too. Oh, wow. There you go. And, you uh, I mean, really, it's the long con, though, of getting Larry Fedora on the show, and he might be our best <laughs> access point. Does he have to wear a fedora or can he wear a standard visor on the show? <laughs> yeah, he does have to wear uh, the visor. Actually, I, I I should have a clip of that, uh, the fedora bit out on uh, soon. You know, Spags and I, we, uh, we, we've entered the TikTok streets, Spags. Mm -hmm. I've been watching some of your sports betting content. I got some splash play clips up. Uh, follow, follow Chris Spags and, uh, and I on, on TikTok while you're at it. Yeah, we, uh, we've been liking uh, each other's videos on TikToks, really trying to gain that algorithm. And I, I honestly, like, it's weird, the TikTok thing, we talked about a little bit up top, but um, I did, in fact, yeah, Pete's getting to the big board now. So get in there if you want to yeah. join us in this draft um, immediately. Actually, well, yeah. Yeah, pretty much immediately, I guess. These are all filled. Uh, no, this is good. So anyone watching, it looks like there's nine spots available. Okay. So if you're in the chat and want to hop in, now's your chance. Run over there right now. Um, but yeah, TikTok. So like I posted a, a bets video for 222 because I was like, oh, two, all twos, whatever. I guess I just post the bets video. Um, had my first loss on TikTok, went one and one on that day. But it's weird because then you keep getting views afterwards. And I'm like, these poor people are watching this. And this has no fucking relevance to their life at all at this point. Oh, it just dawned on you that your content isn't evergreen on their specs. No, <laughs> you you should really actually do everyone a, a service. And the second the game locks, you should delete it. And that way you just have this feed where there's nothing on it except if there's a current bet that you're able to actually make. But I know that you're not in it for helping your followers. You're just in it to gain followers. And so you'll never do that. You know what, Pete? I, I feel like I, you know, I am all about helping people and democratizing betting. And that's one of my core tenets of me as a person, actually on my family crest, democratize betting is, is what we're going for. Uh, but yeah, I, I will post more on TikTok at some point, And I think it's an interesting medium here, though. At this point, it does feel like just doing clickbait SEO is probably going to be the best way to get rich fast. Um, yeah, but you have to uh, lose your soul and your dignity and your morals in the process. And some of those some of us would like to keep those. Yeah, I was going to say, like, well, who are you talking about? Who's got those? <laughs> <laughs> also, you know, it'd be funny, too, is if, like, we were posting other podcasts on our profile, like Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray were, like, oh, like, I took Splash Play Pod out of my profile. So who knows? I, <laughs> I mean, trust me, there's, there. Well, I forget when it was. I don't know. There was a stretch there. Was it last year or two years ago in the offseason where it was, like, it seemed everyone in the fantasy industry left 
their current job and started a new one or started at new companies. And it was like, we needed a woge to break all of the industry uh, news here. Okay. We are on the clock. Yep. We have the 107 here. Um, have, we've done the Devonte Adams. Have we done a Tyree kill yet together? We have not done a Tyree kill. Let's do it. You want to do that? Yeah. Yeah. I just have like, I did a, I actually did one of these drafts last night and I got Alvin Kamara at the end of the second round. So I, I mean, some of these ADPs, uh, at least how people are treating them in the room, uh, are pretty out of whack. Yeah. I mean, I'm curious to see how this one goes. Cause I do like that. We got the beginning part of the chief stack though. I'm presuming that as well as in the draft. Cause you know, if he, if he is, he would take it. No, he's not in this one. So we don't have to worry about him scooping the, the good stacks from us. Yeah. The, my only thing too, is I I've seen that stack, like, especially if Tyreek slips to nine, 10, like it's really easy to get the Tyreek Hill, Kelsey Mahomes. And not that that's a bad thing. You know, it's obviously a very good stack. It makes a ton of sense, but as far as unique combinations, I really don't think it's going to be that unique. Um, whereas in some of these drafts and, you know, obviously like, um, the playoff contests, getting those three together was near impossible. And so if you thread the needle and you're able to do it, then it's like you're doing cartwheels. But uh, in this instance, I, it's not something, I guess I'm ambivalent on it. Like I won't go out of my way to get it, but I also won't be doing cartwheels if I do get it kind of thing. See, but I think we we get different enough in the back half of the draft that I think it's not bad to have a chalky open. No, I don't think it is either. Yeah, like I feel good about some of the rookies we've drafted so far, uh, certainly leaning on some of the data out there, some of the articles we talked about in Football Outsiders and elsewhere. Uh, so I, you know, like I think that it can be scary to jump into a chalky stack and configuration like that, but certainly one that uh, can have upside. And yeah, take Kelsey. Yeah, let's do Kelsey. And again, the other reason I don't mind this is because um, structurally it makes sense too. Like I do like getting an elite tight end in the first couple rounds. If I can, Kelsey obviously checks that box. We're getting a, a nice discount on Kelsey relative to where he was going, you know, last year, almost a round ahead. Um, and yeah, so I would even say too, I'd be less inclined to not force the, the Mahomes thing, but I think we can, we can have that conversation. Um, I should also mention too, if people are looking at my ADPQ, ADPQ, I did upload the uh, the ETR ranks. I know Leone took his first pass at that. And after doing a bunch of drafts just off of the ADP, I kind of wanted to get a different texture to, to some of my picks and some of the stuff seeing them there. And I was just kind of curious how he was treating a lot of the rookies. So um, if you're wondering why my picks are sorted like this, that's why. Interesting. So, so basically what that does then, and you know, certainly go check out the established run, Mike Leone doing a great job in general and keeping up with this as much as anybody out there. Um, so basically what it'll do is just give you the sort then and what Leone is saying the rankings will be, but still show you the ADP of where they're going underdog. Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of nice. Cause yeah, I can obviously still see the, uh, the ADP here in my ideal world, I would actually be able to flip it where I see it sorted by ADP but you can see the rank, your personal mm. rank over here. I think just the way my brain would process that would be a little easier. Um, but I did kind of want to see where he had them. And, and you learn some interesting things. Like he has the the crop of rookie running backs, like ahead of a lot of the other kind of committee backs that we're more familiar with. And I, I liked seeing the draft through that lens. And I do agree with it. Just like, yeah, you're going to brick 
on probably 80 to 90% of those super late running backs. But the one that does hit is like a massive, massive league winner. Um, so I, it was interesting to kind of see how Leone was thinking through the rookie rankings for this stuff. What did he have? What were his running back rankings overall? I mean, we're going to be picking here in a second, but uh, what was the order of the top guys? Um, I don't know the order of the exact top guys. I was more saying like after the top three or four off the board, oh, okay. gotcha, gotcha. he had like a crop of rookies ahead of the, the free agent types, the Deontay Foreman's, the Kenyon Drake's, the kind of those guys that are more, you know, known commodities yet. We, I think it's fair to kind of question their upside. So did we get scooped on Mahomes? No, he's there. Okay. Let's take, I think we got to take Mahomes then. So the only thing is we come, I, I think we push it spags because I don't gonna, trust these people to not take Mahomes. Ah, <sighs> fine spags. I'll let you have it. <laughs> Thank you. I just think like we can complete a really good stack, the, a Super Bowl favorite stack as we talk about in our future show. So I think let's just do it and not, let's not get too cute. Fine. I'll let you have this one spags. Thank you. I mean, look, Pete, you're, you're naturally cute. You don't need to get too cute. I, I was, I was definitely about to get too cute with that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I will say for Football Outsiders, again, the FO40 is coming out on Monday, so go check it out, and you can see in great detail all the research is going on there. We have Kenneth Walker as the number one running back, as we've talked about in this show, Isaiah Spiller, number two, Brees Hall, number three, so a little bit of a difference than uh, the ADPs have been on underdogs so far. That's why I'm personally curious where Leone has these guys, because Walker, even reading the description we have on the FO40, talking about his burst and like his ability to get to the second level, if he gets a decent offensive line, like I feel like Kenneth Walker is the one guy, uh, not bad size, 5'10", 210, like I I feel like that's the kind of dude that, uh, you know, PPR guy, maybe, I don't know. I'm intrigued by Kenneth Walker. Yeah. My, because I don't have a lot of strong takes on these rookies yet, I've just been pretty, um, price sensitive. And I do think the top rookies are probably just my guess would be slightly overvalued because they're fun. And then the less, uh, buzzy rookies are probably slightly undervalued. So I've been kind of skewing toward, um, just kind of waiting, but still making sure I'm getting, you know, rookies in my portfolio. One group of rookies that does seem to be pretty undervalued in general is just the quarterbacks. Like you can pretty easily get whichever one you want late in the draft. And, um, a lot of these guys are going to have, you know, good draft capital. Um, and I mean, some of them don't have like a terrible floor either. Like even the team that Bimefor and I had last year that finished top 10, like Mac Jones was our second QB that we drafted in like the last round. And he wasn't a league winner, but he gave you, you know, baseline floor production for, you know, the games that Dak Prescott, our other QB didn't really pop off. So some of these QBs, I think structurally just open it up because, you know, they're going to have first round draft capital. You know, they're probably going to get a stance chance to start and, and they're free right now at, at this point. You know, we took Sam Howell. It was Sam Howell we took last time, right? From yeah. Yeah, the UNC guy. Yeah. I mean, it does seem like Kenny Pickett's the one with the clearest path to starting, but let's see where we're going to pick here. Uh, we haven't taken Calvin Rudley at all in the drafts we've done here, and I think I'm comfortable taking that risk now unless you want to go Cam Akers, who we do like. Yeah, I was going to be okay with either of those. We're getting a pretty big discount on Cam Akers here, about 10 picks after. Do you want to give yeah, that a shot? Let's do him. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I, um, I do have question marks about Ridley too, as we talked about on the show. I just, I just don't know where he's going to be, what his mindset's going to be. Like, I think I've Ridley to me feels like a risk at this point when you can get Acres at a under his ADP. Yeah, I mean, I think the, yeah, I think they're similar propositions in that I think there's a point at this season where they could be drafted two rounds ahead of where 
they're being drafted right now. Like I could see them being mid second round picks, both Ridley and, uh, and acres, depending on, on how stuff shakes out. I'm actually not, I guess I'm confused why acres is, is so far low relative to where people were drafting him last year, heading into the season. It's not like, you know, I would understand it if he didn't play this entire playoffs and it was the Sony Michelle, Darrell Henderson, he's out of sight, out of mind, but like he came back, he didn't look, you know, incredible, but he was also working his way back from injury and the team continued to show a ton of commitment to him and, and wanting to use the other guys purely as ancillary options. So I, and I love these builds. I was talking about this with Sean Siegel and Ben Gretsch yesterday. I went on the stealing bananas podcast and I love, you know, building like what I would call a modified, you know, zero RB team or an anchor running back team. It's just conventional wisdom as you get your anchor in the first couple of rounds. What if we get our anchor in the fourth round? I mean, there's no reason Cam Akers couldn't be an anchor bell cow back at, at a really adjusted cost. Yeah, people were saying in the chat too, and I don't want to misattribute anybody, but we're saying that you did a really good job on that show. So uh, give the people a pitch on that one because I know you know Stealing Bananas, Sean and and Gretch, of course, who we've had on the show a bunch of times. Very sharp guys. So just tell people what they should be you know going to check out for that. Yeah, the audio I think dropped on Stealing Bananas, and I'm pretty sure most people watching are, are familiar with with Sean Siegel, the Godfather of Zero RB. Ben Gretch with Stealing Signals has been on uh, this show multiple times. Writes the Stealing Signals uh, Substack. Um, but yeah, we kind of just did more like high level macro tournament best ball kind of game theory, how to kind of you know be willing to be uncomfortable, how to to think about going against the grain, um, you know, removing yourself from being anchored to things that we typically get anchored to. And so yeah, it was a fun conversation. I do think uh they're actually gonna ship me over the uh video footage of that. So I'm gonna get it up on the YouTube channel as well. And then you can get the audio of course on their podcast feed stealing bananas. Yeah, and you had the lull show with Rufus Peabody too that I was listening to and and certainly relating to some of his struggle, though he's got much more elaborate everything uh, than I have betting-wise. But I've been getting limited pretty fucking hard on Fox Bet lately. And I was like, Rufus, I get it, man. I get it. Find ways to work around. Uh, all right, where do we want to go? <sighs> Hunter Renfro's right there. Um, Yeah, I mean, this is the point where I look at a little bit of it. I do think there's a tier gap after Josh Jacobs uh, at running back. Um. I could do Josh Jacobs. I kind of I don't have a Josh Jacobs share yet in this tournament. Um, and I, I think that's a pretty fair price for him. Obviously, he's right at, at ADP there. But like when we're talking about then going down to the Mitchell CH, I guess uh I'm on board with ETN there as as well. And I've taken him a couple times, but um feels like a tier break to me there. And this wide receiver tier feels a little flat um as far as what these guys offer yeah we, and we've talked about vegas enough this offseason already but if you haven't been following along here which you know no no shame for that uh, i think at this point of the nfl season or non-nfl season um i'm a big believer in what the raiders are going to do with mcdaniels and i think based on what we've seen historically with him as an oc and in denver like i think josh jacobs is in a pretty good spot and if he could somehow actually get you know keep a good amount of that pass game work that he had last year like he could get you know sort of those check downs that we've seen ramondre or james white historically get in that patriots offense so I'm intrigued by Josh Jacobs and shout out to King Coakley in the chat as well. Saying, imagine not pressing the like button. Yes, please like this video. We are going to be doing best ball drafts. Actually, Pete, maybe next week we should do best ball draft on Monday too. Cause I don't think we're going to have anything that crazy. You mean, uh, on, on Monday as in like in a couple days. Yeah. Like Monday, yeah, yeah. like we'll do two to close out before our, our spring break. Yeah. I'm down. If these are still open. Um, yeah. 
Also, shout out to Rob. Rob's been doing um, some best ball content over at Spike Week. Uh, you guys should check out their YouTube channel as well if you're fiending for more best ball content. And also surprised that you didn't bring this up. Um, Matt Nagy getting hired to be the QB coach for the Chiefs. Did you well, see he that was the, He was in that role before, right? He was EOC before Enemy took over, right? Yeah, but now, I mean, this is still a new role for him, Spags. Yeah, but they're running it back. Coaching they're, they're running back the glory days of the Chiefs after <laughs> this disappointment they've had the last few years. So I think maybe Matt Nagy, some people just need to be not the head coach, need to not be the CEO. And I think that might be the Matt Nagy scenario. So I have no issue with that. Um, So I would say structurally, I would really like a wide receiver here. Um, And I don't mind pulling the trigger on Traylon Burks at this price, even though I just said some of the top guys are a little frothy feeling such a tough click for me right now we are down on burks on fo but we have not taken him in one of these drafts so i'm okay taking burks okay um i feeling is feeling like are we thinking Thielen is washed is that why we're just not willing to go there um yeah and i just feel i mean obviously with the underdog the half point ppr being super touchdown dependent isn't quite uh as a bad thing I just don't, I feel like I want a little bit more of a discount on Thielen. He feels a lot to me like the kind of Robbie Anderson pick last year, where it's like, yeah, you're, you're kind of getting a vet who's proven himself at, at a decent price, but the wheels can come off very quickly. I mean, the counter would be, you know, Cousins is a much better quarterback than Sam Darnold was for Robbie Anderson. But I don't know, I'd rather be a year uh, early getting off these guys than a year late, I guess is kind of how I think about it. Yeah. Traylon Burks, the number eight overall player on football outsiders, FO 40 fantasy board, uh, but he is behind Garrett Wilson and Jamison Williams at receiver. But you know, look, we can get multiples of these guys. I don't, I'm not gonna be mad at that. Yeah. Um, let's see. And then, yeah, if you did miss the draft, our guy, Derek Richard in the chat, of course, we, we hate Malden, Massachusetts on the show as we've, we say every single time out really. Uh, but if you want to get in one of the drafts, if you missed this one that we're doing today, again, we're doing Monday and Wednesday next week. So come back and hopefully you could squeeze in one of these big board drafts before it fills up at, I, you know, Pete, I think it might be, could we take all the credit for this is our first time really doing underdog drafts. And then they happen to sell out a big board draft immediately. Feels like there's a correlation there. Yeah. Um, all right. You need to vamp for a second while I mint an NFT that just uh, went live. Uh, speaking of vamping, and it's actually speaking of NFTs, to follow up on the NFL all day uh, conversation we had in the other show, uh, if anybody wants to buy the Amon Ross St. Brown, I'm currently floating around on the all-day marketplace. It's a rare, it's in the 500s, and it's reasonably priced at $275, aka just enough to get a profit on that pack. So feel free to go check out NFL all day. What are you minting? Um, it's an NFT called, uh, howlers. Um, and it was a stealth drop that a lot of people were very excited for. Um, and I think it's already gone in the time I tried to go for it. So these howlers, man. Yeah. So, uh, rest in peace to me on the howlers. Howlers also one of the USFL QBs, Ben Howler. That's one of the guys drafted in the first round. Um, all right. We are about to be on the clock here again, man. Uh, the wide receivers getting Garrett Wilson. Up. Let's, let's do it. Let's do another rookie. You want him? Yeah. All right. All right. One of them's going to hit. <laughs> they have to, <laughs> <laughs> they have to flip. Um, let's see. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I honestly don't mind it. And you know, the way this team is, structured i'd like to think this is a team that can get off to a fast start you know with the chief stacks with the two earlier running backs um and we can build out more of our 
you know, production later. Yeah, no, I agree. And I like too that we have like we have the floor now of that chief stack. So we could pretty much just take a lot of guys and hope that they bubble up. And you know, like I think we got we're getting the best of the rookie receivers too. Like if we get Jamison Williams, like we're pretty much we've covered everybody who's like a high level prospect. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I I mean I'm always just kind of thinking of, you know, what what thinking about rookies from previous years, where they were drafted the type of prospect profile they have where we could realistically know what kind of production they could deliver. Um, and I remember the conversations last year about Jamar chase and people were kind of comparing him to CD lamb the year before, but I think the smart people identified that Jamar chase was in a different class of prospect as, um, CD lamb and, you know, his taking the, the risk reward at him, even in the mid fourth, obviously ended up being a good risk reward proposition. I think it's just being careful and not assuming that there's a Jamar chase in every one of these classes. Um, but there are probably multiple Jalen models in this class who there's going to be high draft capital used on them. They're going to fall into good situation. Things break right. And they're going to massively kind of outproduced their, their ADP costs. So I think at these prices, you know, pick 79, pick 66, I do think they're pretty good risk reward bets. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. And I think too, especially if you do get, you know, one or two receivers, you can sort of bank on, um, you know, getting rookies on and just hoping you could pop one of them into a meaningful role or, you know, just the right situation with the team. Like I feel pretty good about that approach. And, and that's why, you know, like, I just don't think a lot of people are going to have that chief stack and then get cam Akers where we did and get Josh Jacobs where we did. Are you, or did you close the draft because you're busy minting more? No, no, I I thought I was, uh, uh, undoing a different screen share. We're good. (laughs) You're going to hardcore pornography. It's accidentally, you know, we all like to multitask during this show. I get the blood flowing for a big board draft. That's what we always say. (laughs) Oh God. That's not the kind of blood flowing I want to hear. Oh man. I honestly, I just like, I enjoy our draft shows like a, because we don't have to do a ton of prep work. Like I did more today because of the USFL, but it's like, there's there, we've talked about this a couple times. It's just so leisurely. Like this is nice. My job has been stressful lately as we try to get our new website out. And it's just nice to sit back and talk about some guys, talk about some rookies, talk about boners. <laughs> We're having a good time. Yeah. You know, you know bo- boners and big boards, the name of our, of our new show. <laughs> I was also going to say, did you see the, uh, speaking of boners, did you see our, actually let's make this pick and then we can do it. <laughs> oh boy. What a teaser. Speaking of boners. Um, Ooh, I mean, we have so many running backs, but we, we, Ramondre is there still. We do love Ramondre. Um, Christian Kirk, <laughs> future Buffalo bill, Christian Kirk. Yeah. I mean, you can just see by ADP, how much these guys have gotten gobbled up going down further here in the rankings. You do see Sutton. Um, I'd say Kirk or more for me. All right, let's do Kirk. Uh, yeah, Kirk, by the way, this is something that we did not talk about. Actually, actually, this needs to be a recurring segment. Just talk about the Instagram girlfriends and what they're posting. But um, Christian Kirk hanging out with Josh Allen and Kyle Allen for some reason. And then I think you pointed out, too, Sam Darnold was hanging out there. Like, yeah, on that, clearly that not trip. Part of the court group. Yeah. And that wasn't like, you know, we're just all in New York and went out for dinner. That was like a vacation that they mm-hmm. all they all went on together, which I, I guess I'm. Did anyone actually identify the initial friendship connection between Kirk and Josh Allen. Like, I'm just wondering like where, where they became good enough friends to go on a vacation double date. I think it's through the girlfriends. Cause they're in the same hot girl, Arizona crew. <laughs> from what I understand from my, uh, my diligent research is always on Instagram. Um, but I think also Kyle and Josh Allen are buddies cause they were working out all throughout the pandemic. And I think Darnold might've been the third one working out there, but they were working out like in Southern California with, 
I think it was two or three or four QBs hanging out there and Kyle and Josh Allen, even though they are not related, they basically hang out all the time, I think. Oh, what I was going to say about uh, speaking of boners, uh, Josh and Hayden over on the underdog uh, fantasy podcast feed just dropped a podcast going through all of the recent coaching changes and hires. And I immediately thought of you just scooping up that coaching content. Oh, yeah. Look, I, I think coaching is one of those things that gets underrated. But if you know what coaches have done historically, they're the coaches are the most predictable, I think, part of football, whether it be for the good or the bad, because they just don't change. It's not like somebody goes in and they're like, oh, they run a lot. And then all of a sudden they're slinging it 70 times a game like that just never happens. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, that's that's I think a very helpful resource there. And our boy, Andrew, of course, over at Underdog, who um, you know, I think doing great work over there, going to be on a press release with me next week, Pete. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm scared about that. Just an announcement announcing our partnership, even though it's been going on, because that's how PR works, apparently, in, in real life, which we yeah. don't know on this show. <laughs> you really you want to get some uh, SEO juice in that uh, that press release? Toss my name in there, bud. Get, uh, Look, I, Pete, we're, we're waiting Google for the big trigger. rollout. <laughs> um, yeah, I... I don't know about the Christian Kirk thing. Like that is odd. And it does feel like one of those Sean McVay, Matt Stafford hanging out on vacation things, but we'll find out. We could get Rondale Moore here. If we assume the Cardinals are going to run it back. Do we want, we want to stack it without the, uh, the QB here. I just feel like trying to hedge yeah. that somebody young is going to bubble up there, but I'm not married to that as a concept. I don't mind it. Let's do it. Let's make a concentrated back. I also am down with Tyler Boyd. He, he seems. Uh, I'd go more nice over time. Boyd. Just because okay. of the youth. All right, we'll do uh we'll do Rondell more. I, um, I tend to like these guys going into their second and third years. I feel like that's just the jump years that we see time and time again. I will say I've been going um three QBs in most of these drafts, but I also have not yet taken Patrick Mahomes in the third round. So if there were ever a draft to go two QBs, it would probably be this one. But I would also say I wouldn't want to go two QBs with like Mahomes in a super late, you know, punt like a, a rookie. So I think we should. Um, obviously, we have a couple rookies. Obviously, Kyler Murray's off the board, and we don't have any other, you know, super logical stacks. But I think, you know, looking at these, you know, the Kirk, Derek Carr, Tannehill, Trevor Lawrence, Tua, you know, I'd say a tear break after that to kind of the Daniel Jones, Matt Ryan stuff. So I don't know if, if we want to go just two QBs, I think I'd feel more comfortable doing it with at least one of these guys. I was Dietz Herc in the, actually in our draft saying he's upset that we're taking his Murray stack. Uh, he might be the one who has Kyler Murray in our league. That's the fun part of these drafts, Pete. You never know who's actually in there. And if they're watching the show, let me give you an idea here, buddy. Show you what you're going to have to do. <laughs> one Mr. Antoine Wesley. He's right here, right for the pick, and you can get that stack, baby. The people's DeAndre Hopkins is what we call him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. I Also, Daniel Jones, I feel like he's one name that jumps up that was not that high up on ADP before, and now he's he's getting up there with the Brian Dayball iron. Yeah. I mean, that's really the, uh, the only thing that could make uh, his ADP move because there was nothing to be excited about before that. Also, one exciting underdog development. I am now officially uh, in the second round of the NBA best ball. Got nine lineups advanced out of 23. Uh, I was going to ask you uh, how how that went. So how many more rounds are there? Two more rounds. One ends the sixth, and then the other one ends, I think, mid-April, I believe. So Okay. Uh, we are on um, the clock again. Uh, we are on the clock. Ooh, we get Jamison Williams. You get one more rookie. <laughs> let's, let's wait on him. His ADP is oh. a little late. 
let's let's anchor this with a veteran because we are so like give me Corey Davis or Jarvis Landry. We've taken Jarvis before, so let's go, Corey. Okay. Just do it. Maybe Zach Wilson takes the leap. That also gives us another uh stacking mm-hmm. option as well. Somebody was posting about that. It might have been Bime 4. I feel like whenever I see somebody posting and I kind of forget, it's probably Eric Bime 4 over at Spike Week doing a great job, really looking for any angle possible. But talking about like mini stacks and the value of them a little bit more, where people really get kind of frustrated if you don't get the full stack. But if you get like a Zach Wilson, you know, ideally Elijah Moore instead of Corey Davis, but like, you know, those ones, like, there's logic to that one. We also didn't talk about the three QB thing that that Hayden, I think, floated from underdog as well about the value of that one. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? I'm sure you talked about it on Stealing Bananas as well. The His his article about uh, the Josh Allen kind of data. Yeah, and how the importance of drafting a third QB, even though that got a lot of pushback from what I was seeing on Twitter. Yeah, my, my take on it and that what I was saying in general is I, I'm willing to be hyper fragile and just take two QBs and I did it a ton last year, but I, the earlier we are in the off season, or I should say the further away we are from the start of the season, the less um, comfortable I am doing that. And I think I want to be like more robust with three QBs and three tight ends in these big board drafts um, most of the time. And then thinking the closer we get, because even just taking on injury risk alone, like, you know, you could have guys like Cam Akers who get injured, Uh, before the season even starts and blows up all those teams. But just positionally speaking, I would rather push that kind of hyper fragile edge, whether that's two QBs, just two tight ends, whether it's, you know, um, you know, five backup running backs in a zero RB build, the more information I have and the closer we get to the season. Um, Because the whole point of hyper fragile is you're obviously vulnerable to a a single injury or, or a single touch point. And I just think that's so much harder to gamble on this far out where there's way more risks um, between draft landmines, depth chart, shuffling, injuries, all that stuff. Um, So I guess my kind of thesis on it right now is I want to backload my super hyper fragile constructions, say, I don't know, let's just say from August on once I start to have a much kind of clearer idea of how these these teams are shaking out. Has Corain done an NBC Sports Edge SEO article just breaking down these various terminologies? Because I feel like I have not seen them all spelled out in one place. And that feels maybe post it on a TikTok video, get the SEO in there. What what terminology? Like hyper fragile, obviously zero RB is famous enough now, but like I feel like if you had all of these anchor RB, like um I'm I'm sure there's a few more that you that you've referenced over the course of time that are slipping my head. But I think there's like five to ten of them now that people use that are just kind of confusing to parse out. Yeah. And everyone I, I prefer to think of them more like philosophically, what kind of thing are you trying to accomplish with these where people just work themselves into a tizzy arguing the exact semantics of what does zero RB mean? What round do you draft your first running back in zero RB when it's more like uh, thinking about it through the lens of running back is a super volatile, volatile position. Lots of injuries happens and your team can actually get stronger and better because of running back injuries as the season progresses. Like I'd rather define them that way as opposed to hyper fragile means you take three running backs in the first three rounds and then don't take any more running backs the rest of the draft. But um, let's see here. Uh, we are getting into a sweet spot here for veteran uh, <laughs> wide receivers. I don't, I don't mind Jarvis Landry here. No, we um, could take them. I, I know we've taken them before, and I oh, usually do try to draft against type. But Or if we want to load up on Cardinals and see if Chase Edmonds 
you know, Binks a starting role if he were to come back in free agency. Connor doesn't. I don't know. There, there's something there Time's too. Up. If want. Oh shit! Well, we got Landry. <laughs> at least it's not Lavisca this time. I knew Landry was at the top of the queue, but it still panicked me when you said "time's up." Wow, Corbin got 66 out of 150 in NBA best ball. That is a lot of people. <laughs> Dude, like he's got a good shot at winning some serious money now. That's uh, that is very nice. Uh, always good when we're we're snaking the chat there. I honestly don't like. This is what I was kind of saying too with our. You know, I don't mind going heavy rookies, but then kind of building in a little bit more floor with some of these veterans. That was another thing I was talking about with Sean and Ben too, of like the way the puzzle pieces fit together on your teams and the way you think about zero RB. Sometimes you're grabbing the JD McKissicks, the Naheem Hines, because you want those seven to eight points for that from them before the volatility of the season kicks in and some of say your handcuff running backs can be supercharged into RB ones. I think of the same thing with these rookie wide receivers, like outside of Jamar chase, most of these guys will often take six, seven, eight weeks to really get ramped up to speed. We backfill with some early Corey Davis, Jarvis Landry pr production, make sure our team doesn't get in too big of a hole early on. And then hope one of these rookies comes on super strong guns a blazing down the stretch. And um, I, I kind of like, thinking about how those pieces can potentially fit together. Also, we do need another tight end and I'm going to advocate here. So first of all, what happened to Irv Smith? Like, why did he never come back? That's the first question I have. Second of all, I think we should take Trey McBride and take another rookie. And because we didn't get Jamison Williams, so I wanted a receiver. I think we should go young again and take the young tight end who actually is going to be a first round pick. Yeah, my only thing is like let, let's wait another round or two. I mean, his ADP is still 30 picks. You from said now. that about Jamison Williams and then he went right after. No, I mean... <laughs> We got it. The, I mean, chasing rookie tight end ADP steam. I mean, this isn't Kyle Pitts. I don't know. Give, let me at least do one more pick before we before we take oh, him. Fine. I know somebody's going to take Trey McBride, and whoever does, I'm so mad at you. I, I want. I was going to be so stoked on Chase Edmonds there if he fell again after after talking about him. Russell Gage. Um. Yeah. Do you want to just continue to add all of these uh, dusty veterans? I'm down. He's not that dusty. He's he's younger. He, he actually played pretty well down the stretch last year. Yeah, he was good. I mean, and if Ridley doesn't come back and we didn't take Ridley, we're sort of leveraging against the pick that we didn't make earlier, which I think is a positive. Oh, that's yeah. I like thinking of things through that too. Like if you are making a stand. Um, yeah, I, think, how, I feel like that how, fits your thesis. Like that's actually something you said on one of the shows that's helped me think about this better is like you're basically playing an angle that this didn't work or or this does work. And that was one thing, again, it didn't specifically work out, but, you know, Bimefor and I on that team, we, where we took Devonte Adams 103, we passed on Dalvin Cook, and then we grabbed Alexander Madison as one of our mm -hmm. late things. So it's almost like you're correlating your bets. I'm, I'm passing on what I think might be a running back landmine. And if this thesis is correct, I'm going to be right in two ways. One, I'm going to hit the wide receiver who has the points most people think the running back would have. And on top of that, I'm going to get an RB1 if, you know, Dalvin Cook gets hurt and he steps in. So obviously it's not as clean and not a perfect, you know, if this happens, then this will also happen. But I do think the logic of correlating and parlaying some of those against the grain bets makes a ton of sense. Also, Russell Gage only 26, which I feel like is way too young to be declaring dustiness. Yeah, I mean... If I think if you would have polled the audience on how old everyone thought Russell Gage is, everyone would have said like 29 or 30. 
I, I think that's fair. I mean, he's born in 96. This is going to be one of the things that I don't enjoy about getting old is like when you have no frame of reference about what a year being born means. Like it used to be like, oh, you're born in 90. Like you're young. It's like, nope, you're actually now getting pretty old. Yeah, no, it uh, it happens. Yeah, We're all it happens dying. too fast. His parents are Russell Gage Sr. and Elisa Gage. So there's there's a Russell Gage fun fact for the day. 26 and has lovely named parents. Um. All right, so okay, we got to draft only... running backs and tight ends. <laughs> yeah. Um, we also need to just keep QBs on the radar too. Um, mm. Just seeing what are we working with at uh, quarterback. Shit, Zach Wilson already went. How did that happen? Mm. Um. All right. Yeah, we're gonna have to be we're gonna have to be watching this. Um. I think we take McBride here. You want McBride over LT and Irv? I do. Okay. Both coming off he, injuries. Like I just don't. I don't have the trust. I think it can work with a with a Travis Kelsey anchor. And McBride too supposedly like is going to be a guy who's going to just see snaps because he can block and run routes and he's not like I think the thing we wrote up in RFO write up uh, that Mike Tanier did was just like he's not Kyle Pitts. He doesn't have that A plus skill, but he's got enough skills to get on the field. And and to me, if he can earn snaps, like who knows? Yeah. Uh, let's see Logan Thomas or Irv. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like Logan Thomas coming off of another knee injury. Like do does Washington cut bait with him or something? Like he, I'm sure he's not on a crazy, crazy contract. I like an Irv too. I, I just don't know what happened there down the stretch. Like he was supposed to come back in like week six to week eight. Then it just ended up being a season long injury. And I, I don't have the most confidence for him coming back. I love it when the people in the draft are chat lurking and then come out when they hear their ears burning me, you know, <laughs> lamenting this. He got Zach Wilson and then Allen out of the woodwork had to snag him with, uh, with Elijah Moore. See, this is, this is where our, our plans get used against us because his Look, ADP I, was I much lower than those other guys. That was the right one to make. I think, uh, name a T not pitch. I mean, pitch just had one of the best seasons ever. You still have rookie tight ends. who have had useful years. I'm not going to, like, and again, uh, talking about the puzzle piece thing, like, you know, if we're not using Travis Kelsey's score most weeks, this team is already dead, you know, in a, in a lot of ways, because we made a significant investment in him. So the Trey McBride play to me is like a bit of floor production and then finishes the season strong. Um, even Cole Komet had a couple usable weeks at the end of his rookie season. I, I don't think it's absurd. And people seem to really like his profile. We have 13 seconds Make left it here. I think we do need to get a, a quarterback here because this gets pretty gross. Yeah, I think let's. I'm cool with taking Tua because I, I just don't believe I have the confidence in the rookies that are going to play at QB and Tua. We know will be playing wherever, but probably Miami. I um, think we can in this build. Um, depending on what we're able to do at running back, I think we could. Yeah, I guess. I guess ideally we just rock the two quarterbacks. I guess I was going to say I think we could easily grab a, a rookie QB as a QB three in this build. If we, if we wanted. Yeah. I feel like Malik Willis is going to go too early. And I think if we're not taking Willis or Pickett, I think we are getting a guy who's just less likely to start. So I have less interest in those guys who aren't. Um, and also shout out Derek for the, the super chat. What's a show without the weekly SF Malden. What is the S in SF Malden? Um, 
That's a very good question. I was just trying to super flex Malden, uh, <laughs> shut the fuck up Malden, uh, shitty fucking Malden. I think it's shitty fucking Malden. If okay. I recall correctly. I'm sure Derek will tell us. You don't have to super chat it in Derek, but we appreciate it. <laughs> no, I would actually prefer if every one of your chats. This is the new uh, new rules on the YouTube channel. It's, it's pay to comment, $5 per comment. Um, also, for uh, GM Shorty stuff, asking about great tight end seasons. Apparently, he's forgotten about the 2020, uh, 2002, rather. It's not 2022. Uh, Jeremy Shockey rookie season, 894 receiving yards, 74 catches, two touchdowns. Well, that's a rookie year you can take to the bank. There you go. I mean, <laughs> there's, there's, been, there's been ton of story. I mean, Gronk and Hernandez had massive rookie seasons. Yeah. Didn't Jimmy Graham have a massive rookie season? Someone mentioned Pat Fryermuth uh last year finished the season strong with touchdown so it is not out of the ordinary um for a rookie tight end to contribute actually evan ingram had a pretty good one too in 2017 it looks like seven or was that his best year was his rookie year his best year i think he maybe had a the second year was probably a little better i think or third like one of those where he was actually like looking like he was going to be on the come up and then it just stopped completely um, um, so right. I think this is prime for some of these rookie running backs. I mean, Rashad white, um, hasn't, he's well below his ADP here. Any takes on him? Uh, he is 35th on the FO 40 Robinson is higher. He's 24. Uh, also Alabama with... back. I think I like Brian Robinson then Brian Robinson. Let's do it. Yeah. It feels like insulting to take him. I mean, James Robinson's coming off injury, but if you got two Robinsons there, it does feel a little insulting to not take like James Robinson was like a third round pick last year or second round pick. Yeah. Ugh, poor James Robinson. James Robinson or Brian Robinson. I will I will take my bets on Brian Robinson. And I don't I've never seen Brian Robinson play in my life. Brian Robinson, 6'1, 226, redshirt senior. So he's a little bit older as a running back, but uh hitting B Rob is like hitting an old school Cadillac hard body, his Alabama teammate Phil Mathis said the senior bowl. So there's that premium reporting that underdog helped pay for, Pete. Wow. That sounds, uh, sounds kinky. Did you say hard body? Mm. Talking, talking boners, talking hard bodies. We got a little bit of something for everybody here. <laughs> there we go. Uh-oh. Film, film watching chat has logged in. I don't even, I didn't even know turtles run. Ninja turtles run really well. Yeah. Are you just commenting on his speed or is there an actual aesthetic kind of, I don't know, waddle to his, his gate. Um, that's what I, I guess I'll have to watch the tape. Well, I guess this guy, uh, Brian Robinson has been there so long that he backed up Josh Jacobs as a freshman, which feels like he's seriously. <laughs> wow. Wait, so we have, this is like the, um, uh, who was it? It's the Darrell, uh, Williams, the mentor, mm. uh, on the same team. I mean, this is, so we got the Josh Jacobs, Brian Robinson shower narrative slash mentor connection. Are you kidding me? I this love how young this team is, though. So many guys who don't even have photos yet. That's so exciting. <laughs> that that's how you know you win. the <laughs> the The less photos you have on your roster, the more closing line value potential you have. Uh, let's see. But if he gets the DC, if he will be see see, this is like the draft analysis that Ferris is doing in the chat. Is like if it works out, it's going to be great. If hey, not, God. it's going to be slow and terrible. <laughs> We are we are on the clock here. Um, let's do we see. Want I think we another should... rookie. <laughs> wow, I, I, dude, I do think we have to take James Robinson now. He's like 30, 50 picks past ADP. I'll do it. I'll do it. I mean, let's get the double Robinson team. <laughs> yeah, that like the Robinsons. I, I think always great athletes. David Robinson. I think harkens back Cliff Robinson. 
look, buddy, we don't have to do anything. All right. My team, my rules. You jump into one of these and draft Evan Ingram if you love him so much. What if actually Brian Robinson ran like a turtle as Derek says he runs on all fours and he just easily could tilt him over and he can't, can't get up off of his back? It would be a truly bizarre ranking in ADP if that was the case. <laughs> like maybe it's effective for him. You don't know. People do bear crawls at, at high speeds. Maybe he's just figured it out. I was doing bear crawls at the gym yesterday, actually. No joke. People, people really swear by bear crawls and mountain yeah. climbers, those two. Uh, yeah, they're a uh, good, good core full body exercises. There, specs. You're going to take some, some hot, you're going to Europe, right? For your vacation, <laughs> Europe. Uh, no, I, I mean, you're going to Europe this, in my this... mind. I was like, Pete's going to Europe. No, I'm going to Hawaii. Oh, that's like Europe. <laughs> Eric, do you really think I'd be drinking a mountain do uh, dew? I'm a LaCroix boy. I'm trying so to get, actually, I, I was thinking okay. about pitching this for our off season shows. That's something that we have to do, but that'll be after our, our spring break. Um, we, we have to do maybe if we can figure it out. Mountain Dew has hard seltzer drinks now, or hard Mountain Dews, which are Is only it... available in three southern states. But I feel like if we did a getting lit on Mountain Dew show, that would be something. Isn't that already a thing? And it's called Four Loco. I mean, like, I think it's supposed to taste like Mountain Dew in a nice way. Um, I mean, I guess I would do it for the content, but my stomach is already grumbling just thinking about it. Josh pointing out, not a great time to vacay in Europe. I suppose that would also be true. Hawaii, though, um, known to be safe in any sort of war scenario. Yeah, although I was thinking the other day, it's much closer to Russia. <laughs> <laughs> That's how they're going to sneak in, is having a nice Hawaiian vacation along yeah. the way. <laughs> yeah, ho hopefully they're more agitated with the uh, the West Coast uh, than, than Seattle, or uh, than Hawaii. Okay, we're on the clock again. I think we keep loading up on these running backs, but um, I don't know. Uh, Cook, Cook is actually James Cook is the number eleven overall. I'll take him. Yeah, I mean this is. Let's just do it. James Cook, Georgia running back, younger brother of Vikings running back Dalvin <laughs> Cook, split time with Zamir White in the Bulldogs' backfield after backing up DeAndre Swift, Elijah Holyfield, and others in his early career. Well built, one cut speedster. Sometimes double as a jet sweep threat in the slot. Well, look at all these little twins we have on our roster. We have uh, we have two Robinsons. We have James. We have two Alabama backs. I mean, the kind of symmetry with these. Brian, no, so we have James. Yeah, James Robinson and Brian Robinson. James Cook and James Robinson. I mean, this is beautiful. FF Doom, it seems, did not get my dry humor on the <laughs> Hawaii war joke. Yes, bags. Um, I am aware of that one. <laughs> Read a history book for once yeah. in your life. That's true. I just, I just really skip past the H pages of any history book and go Hawaii. No. I, uh, I, Eric, I've, I've tightened up my game. Um, I, I've only drank on a couple weekend trips since, since the new year when I went both my California trips, uh, to Tahoe and LA. Uh, otherwise, have not been drinking. Gotta, gotta feel good. Uh for the trip. So interesting spot here. We could take the other potential first round rookie tight end. We could also take one of these other assholes. Josh. I don't want to take wide. Um, I wish we had a Miami wide receiver. We could stack six, five. Um, fine. I'm pick, just going to take another rookie yeah. running back. Yeah, there we go. Who do you... He was a backfield mate for James cook. So there we go. Wait, was he? Yeah. Look at this is all I need to hear. This is, it's like a Russian nesting doll of, uh, cemeteries here. 
FF Doom saying it's Spags we're talking about here. I know history very well. I, I mixed in a Thurgood Marshall reference for our USFL. <laughs> That's an, an unfair. Also show. a Dingle McCringleberry. So you balanced your rage. Tangle McCringleberry. <laughs> <laughs> I've been watching way too much Key and Peel on YouTube, which really? How does that? How does it hold up? I mean, I love that show when it was on. It's great. Like the and YouTube, uh, like the Comedy Central YouTube or the Key and Peel YouTube, whichever it is, knows it because they have eight-hour streams of it that you can watch of like Key and Peel's funniest bits, and I just like put it on and do other stuff. That's that, great. Yeah. The, their combo, like the the writing is so sharp and so good but then those guys are just such incredible performers too mm -hmm. um it, it really was like i was thinking about hit rates for sketches and you watch snl and it's like man you might they might bat like i don't know 150 or something and it felt like key and peel bat batted like 700 um yeah. with their sketches there were just so few few duds there yeah, and it's like I think it's interesting too because Jordan Peele now doing the very serious horror auteur thing with social messaging and all that, and like Keegan Michael Key is also like a Shakespearean actor or like at least a theater stage actor um, at some point in his life, and it's like yeah, these two guys who are like very serious dramatic guys now made probably the funniest show that's not Chappelle show. Yeah, um, GA saying six RBs. Um, yeah, I mean, once I think we made the decision to use uh, the Mahomes and Kelsey picks to allow us to go um, just two QB and two tight end builds, then we really have luxury, you know, to kind of allocate those picks elsewhere. Because, I mean, we could still finish right here with uh, a 2 6 10 2 build if we wanted. Um, I also think, I think we should definitely add another wide receiver. And then I think it's, um, other than after that, I think the last pick could be QB three tight end three or wide receiver 10. I think all of those would be fine. Yeah. I mean, look, it's a real drier room now, but I, I just like that. We got a lot of rookies. Like you got to take advantage of the big board while it's here. And, and we are getting a lot of guys that are, you know, could really increase in value or could be pretty much stagnant in value. But like, I think there's a good chance with the guys that we got, like some of these rookies are going to be much higher ADPs by the time, let's say April rolls around. Yeah. Andrew, I will not say Kroll show is as good as I think you should leave. I think, I think you should leave as like my all time favorite sketch show. Uh, but I would say there's more memorable, uh, specific characters on, on Kroll show. And a couple of, I guess too, my thing with Kroll show is all those characters he had, he had like workshopped on comedy bang bang for years too. So it felt like an extension of that. And that's not that it's bad. It just, I think you should leave just kind of came out of nowhere. It was like my first experience uh, with those. But yeah, if you're not as familiar with his Bobby bottle service character and you had, if you're a fan of Chelsea Peretti and stuff like some of their early stuff on crawl show is really good. Um, did you, you had thrown out Josh Reynolds earlier, right? I think mostly as a bit, but I don't know. Like out of all these guys here, he might be the best one. I mean, I don't, I don't feel strongly. Uh, I don't mind Reynolds Aglor. Um, yeah, let's do it. Diami Brown. He's, he's a little bit low. Yeah, sure. Why we'll Josh Reynolds? <laughs> um, and I think too, I feel like out of your comedic sensibilities and, and perhaps other personalities of yours, it does feel like Kroll show is probably the most influential out of that. I mean, his Bobby bottle service character has a lot of, uh, overlap, uh, with man's, or I should say man's overlaps a lot with Bobby bottle service. I remember having that character in the back of my head, uh, when, when man's was, was born, but yeah, Nick Kroll's a, an awesome performer.
Yeah, and he's done well. Big Mouth is one of my favorite shows. I think an interesting one that I know kids, I think, like a lot too, which could be its own problem, I'm sure. But I think he's certainly carved out a lane for himself, which it's always nice to see with these like comedians that feel niche and then they end up blowing up and having something that's probably making them more money than they ever imagined. Did you know that Nick Kroll's dad is like a billionaire? I did not know that. Yeah, very, oh. very wealthy dude. Well, that's like Chelsea Peretti. Like her brother is the BuzzFeed guy yeah. who made untold millions. Yeah, and then has been uh, he's been at like the center stage of unionize uh, unionization wars and stuff with his company, hasn't he? Yeah, I mean BuzzFeed's kind of a problematic. I mean they yeah. were problematic back when I was doing blog stuff. Like they would rip stuff off from us willy nilly and like steal every like it was real bad. That people don't know that, but then they made billions, so everybody just kind of forgot it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> That's the main thing. So last pick here, Spags, like I said, structurally, I think we could do QB wide receiver or tight end. Um, hmm. If we go quarterback, it's probably a rookie. Um, if we did tight end, I guess it could be a rookie or I don't mind a Blake Jarwin dart throw here with Schultz being a free agent. Um, wide receiver is just so gross. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't love much of anything here, to be honest. <laughs> it would probably be one of these like second year disappointing rookies like a Diami you mentioned or Dwayne Eskridge. Um, but it's not like I'm doing cartwheels there. What do you what are you feeling? I feel like Eskridge intrigued me at points more than anybody else left, but I don't feel strongly about it. Mm. Yeah, Taysom I don't mind was, it. yeah, Taysom is is also a player that exists. Yeah, I feel like he's going to lose his job to one of these rookies anyways. Let's just add yeah. another receiver. I kind of like this build of where we just kind of stick to our Chiefs thesis. Obviously, if this team wins, it be, it's because the Chiefs have a, just a, a massive year. Um, and then we're kind of really covered with volume at at running back and wide, re or, uh, yeah, at wide receiver. Eric in the chat asking, are live finals still cool? If you actually have a seat at a live final that's going to pay you well, I think, yeah, they would still be pretty cool. I don't know if they're cool for like like they were four or five years ago and everybody was like meeting each other, but like I, I, I think, think they're cool. I would, yeah, I would have love no to win a seat. I think it's cool. I think you're cooler <laughs> for doing that, Eric. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I mean, I guess you could say what's less cool is uh, often the amount of capital and resources and time you have to put mm -hmm. into securing a live final seat, but um, just in a vacuum, getting to go to a live final, drinking and watching sports with lots of money on the line. Sounds like a great time. Yeah. Good way to network too. You know, if you're one of those people that, uh, I wouldn't say luck boxed it, but got your way to a live final, there's going to be a lot of people who work in the industry. And if you're trying to do it for real, um, whether as a player or as a content creator, certainly a good networking opportunity as well. Way to spell All chiefs. Right. Oh, God damn it. I before E except on Friday at the end of the week. <laughs> It's like, I like, I think we built a pretty good team. It's a unique team, which is what we wanted, uh, despite having the chiefs. So what we did it right. Yeah. Um, I think it's a very, uh, I like how it lives on the extremes, lots of rookies, lots of veterans. And then we have that chief stack. Not a single of these rookies is going to play. <laughs> like not when they're going to play one snap a game and that's going to be the max. I mean, you basically, I mean, you were joking earlier. It's like you need one of the rookie running backs to hit and you need one of Burks or Wilson to hit in a big way. And you're, this team's probably cooking.
Yeah, but. look, I, I like it. I think we did something unique there. That's what it's all about. So go play over an underdog for yourself for this big board 2022 fills up. Use the promo code SPLASH to double your deposit up to $100 and go play over there. Again, like a lot of people we saw at the end of the season, one money during that playoff best ball, one money from uh, best ball mania, some of the other tournaments out there, the mitten. Uh, so go play over an underdog. We can't advocate for enough. And it's just fun. Like I, I really do enjoy doing this as part of our show. So go check them out. Go make sure to check out football outsiders as well. Again, that FO 40 board is going to be free. Thanks in part uh, to actually thanks entirely to our partnership with underdog. So go check that out. Launches Monday. It'll be a helpful tool for if the big board's still up, but um, I was referencing throughout the show and I think it'll add value. So go to footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe or check out the FO 40 for free on Monday. Pete, anything you want to say here? Any plugs, any shows you're doing this weekend? Uh, no shows this weekend. Got to get uh, ready for my trip, get a bunch of things, uh, loose ends tied up uh, for that before I leave. And uh, yeah, excited uh, to uh, to be back in the Splash Play Saddle on Monday. Yeah, just got to get some uh, some luau things for yourself. Maybe a, maybe a Hawaiian shirt or two, perhaps? Yes. Uh, yes, exactly. I will. Uh, I do have some very uh, nice floral polos, um, oh. but uh, I hope you're ready. Hope you're ready to eat a pig with an apple in its mouth. If you don't do that, I'll be very disappointed in you. Follow at Peter Overs at follow at Chris Spags, follow at Splash Play Pod. And we'll be back with you guys on Monday and Wednesday doing best ball drafts before we take our spring break. So come hang out with us. Maybe get into the draft room for yourself and underdog. We appreciate you guys for being here. Enjoy your weekends and good luck. Peace.